welcome to Off the Deck. I'm your host, Steve Carrera, and each episode I sit down with a member of the water polo community to speak with them about what helped make them successful in the world of water polo. In this episode, I sit down with Matt Swanson, the head coach and program director of Shack Water Polo Club and the head coach at Drake High School. If you enjoyed the episode, do me a favor, leave a five-star review or share it with your friends. And if you want to support the show, you can go to offthedeckpodcast.com and donate to the program. Thank you very much. All right, everybody. Thank you for uh, joining us for another episode of Off the Deck. Um, I am here in Santa Barbara right now for the Santa Barbara tournament uh, during that boys high school season. I have the pleasure of sitting down with Matt Swanson uh, of Drake High School as well as uh, Shaq Water Polo Club. So... Uh, Matt, thanks for coming on the on the show. I appreciate it. Hello, hello, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you and I have known each other for quite a while, but really reconnected back when you know, we started coaching uh, Shaq. Really, and I, right. I remember you sort of had a um, a breakout moment um, at JOs about four or five. Maybe six years ago, I think it was. It was like sort of, and that's where I kind of reconnected with you. You had a, like a stellar class, 14s right. going all the way through to high school, and we'll totally get to that. But yeah, yeah. just a little background for the for the audience to know how we sort of reconnected. Um, and so, you know, I think I just start off with asking the standard question that I've asked everybody: Is how did you get started coaching water polo? Uh, I started playing water polo in high school. I grew up in San Diego and, uh, we didn't have, there was no club polo back then. And, uh, and I had never played water polo. I played baseball, basketball, soccer, you know, standard mid eighties kid. And then, uh, got to high school and some of my friends were playing water polo. So I said, Hey, I'll give it a shot. And I couldn't swim very well. I'd never swam before. And so, uh, just started playing and the sport just made sense to me right away. And, and I think even when I was in high school, I was always, you know, I was a goalie right away cause I couldn't swim and you get, you get a totally different perspective being the goalie. You know, you see everything a lot differently. And, uh, just from early on, you know, during timeout breaks or quarter breaks, I would always, I would have something to say every time, you know, and I could, I just, the game made sense to me and, uh, you know, a coach would talk and then. Eventually, he kind of would catch on. Hey, this, you know, let me talk to the kids a little bit and or my teammates. And so I think from an early age, I kind of knew that I it made sense to me. Yeah. And then uh, I got to college, and uh, I was studying to be a teacher. And again, uh, just the game. I felt like my education at UCLA with Guy Baker and with all my teammates. You know, I played with Adam Krikorian, who was another kid who was, you know, always talking to his teammates. You know, coaching the water. And so I think, I, you know, just kind of I could see that there was I was going to I was going to keep being involved in it. And that was the best way to do it. Yeah. So I, I right away out of college, my first job was I took over a high school program in a Marin County and I was coaching the JV and varsity uh, boys and girls, all four teams. It was my first job I ever had really out of college. So uh, right away I was thrown into it. I had to learn how to run practices. I mean, I was we had one pool four teams practicing at the same time i mean it was chaos so yeah it was kind of trial by fire but uh i learned very quickly how to just how to run different age groups at different levels you know you got jv girls and you got varsity boys and you know having people doing all sorts of different things so right away i was i was in it yeah right out of college yeah and was that um was that at drake no that was at redwood high oh redwood High School. yeah okay so you're you're probably talking like late 90s this was 98 98. fall of 98 okay okay and um so i know you're 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 a humble guy and and i'd like to talk a little bit about your playing career first sure um because i mean you were two-time player of the year as 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 far as i know you went back-to-back national championships um in 95 96 i believe and so that that's quite an impressive um, run, quite an impressive resume, you know. And you said you sort of jumped on the sport; it kind of made sense right away. Do you feel like the sports you were playing early on helped you to like see that? Or, I mean, you're sure. a tall, lanky guy, so goalie 
probably made sense. Were, were you tall and lanky when right. you got to high I was, school? I was. I was. But the main thing was I couldn't swim. So, I mean, I had never been on a swim team. So yeah. it was just, and I could egg beat her right away. And mm. I think that's, you know, that was just all of a sudden I'd be like, wow, I can get out high out of the water, you know? Yeah. And I got these crazy long arms. So it's like, all right, he's a goalie, you know? Yeah. And so that. But yeah, I definitely think playing other sports, you know, that's a whole debate now, right? Like specializing kids yeah. in sports. And sure, I mean, I played all different sports and spacing, you know, it's all about spacing and where the ball needs to go and defensive philosophies across soccer and basketball. And I'm sure it helps. Yeah, yeah. for sure. And so, um, you know, you won... 95 96 and i remember you were in the era where i was going to games dreaming about playing in the big time and i remember the the uc san diego game um usc had just like a really stacked team. that was, that was a crazy year yeah. you played them in the final and they had this croatian guy well, cheese so, i think they, they call cheese it. mitch yeah. yeah so that was those two years the 95 team I, I, as far as I remember, that was the first time that people had brought over Croatians, and SC had two of them. They had, uh, I think they had Matteo and and uh, and uh, the lefty Marco Zagar, I think yeah. the lefty. And so '95, we played them in the semis of the Mount Pacific tournament and beat them, and then that kind of earned us our spot. And then they brought over two more. They brought a Zimmerman, I think, and mm. uh, and and cheese Mitch or maybe cheese Mitch was there before and they brought over Mateo. But, uh, so then they had four Croatians that year yeah. and, uh, I'm, I'm, I don't know that they're specifically Croatians, but I know Mateo is. Yeah. So yeah. And so that team, we played SC four times that year, I think, and we beat them the first time and then they crushed us the next three times. And that was all of our senior years. Uh, me, Jeremy, Braxton Brown, Jim Toring, uh, Adam had just graduated, but he was helping out Adam Krikorian. And then we had a couple of young guys, too. Uh, Randy Wright was a senior on that team. Um, but uh, we no, we didn't, I mean, we had no, we got seventh, I think, or eighth in the MPSF tournament that mm, year. Wow. And then still got the at-large bid, you know, and we, we, we thought we were done. You know, yeah. We were shaking hands at the end of the MPSF, like, all right, we're done. That's the season. And then we got the at-large bid, and we just kind of rallied and we're just like, all right, we got one, one chance here. You know, yeah. it's our last, last hurrah. And then I remember one of the first plays of the game, uh, uh, the lefty, uh, just gets up and rips a two point shot, two point bunny off my head, takes my cap off. And it was like two nothing, like within 30 seconds. Yeah. And I just, I went to get the ball out of the goal. And I'm like, this is going to suck. Like we're done. Like, and then we ended up scoring, I think six goals, five or six goals in the first quarter. Yeah. And we were up five to two or something like that in the first quarter. And then just hung on, just hung on. And we kind of, we just hunkered down on defense. I think the final was seven to six or something like that. So we jumped out on him. Randy had a two pointer. And, I remember and that just, and we just, it was just, I mean, it was so weird. It was such a crazy first quarter. And then we were just, I mean, we knew that they were a, I mean, they were a freight train. They had offense, you know, yeah. everywhere. And we, uh, we just held on for dear life and squeaked it out. And they had one last gasp and on the, from the three posts or the, I think three post or two post cheese match had a wide open shot and threw it over the cage yeah. and, and then, uh, you know, ran out the clock and yeah. And, and back at that time, SC hadn't won i don't think they had yet, they hadn't no. won uh one they were knocking on the door knocking on the door um and ucla kind of made their rise back to you guys brought it right back we to hadn't won prominence. since the 70s i think yeah. or something like that they made the finals in 91 against uh, cal with humbert noting yeah and they lost but then uh and then our program got dropped and then we were you know the first or second we might have been the first class or the second class after we got dropped mm -hmm. and then and uh, adam krikorian was the first okay so i was in yeah, adam's class okay. so it was adam me and uh, corbin graham and mark sutter and we were kind of the bad news bears like you know we were just like <laughs> we got to ucla and before we knew it the swim team got dropped you know like we were all there as freshmen with these you know swimmers and then the next thing i know they got dropped and then the men's gymnastics got dropped oh, and geez. we had been dropped three so we're just we don't know what's going yeah, on, you know, yeah, but, uh, yeah, on a prayer. and then we, we took our licks the first three years for sure. And then once we were juniors, we were like, all right now. And Adam was a senior and we're like, all right, it's our time now. Yeah. Yeah. And, 
And and I I mean that that era is so close to me because again I was a spectator I was a fan watching. What year did you graduate I, high school? I graduated high school in ninety five. Okay, so, so you're three years younger. Yeah. Okay. So um, but um, the the legend that was Jim Touring, and that was the person everybody was just I mean everybody was just enamored with him. He was oh, yeah. phenomenal, and I remember watching him play in high school at Harvard Westlake, and. I, I mean, obviously, this isn't a UCLA 1995 podcast. Sure, After sure. Corian wants to do that, sure. which I'd love to have. Sure, you I'll on be on that, that one. Yeah, yeah um, that was a fun time. Yeah, but um, could you tell us a little bit about Jim Touring sure, sure. And, and was he the greatest ever? Was he the best? I don't know that he was the greatest ever, but he was a great guy. You know, I mean, just a phenomenal player. You know, and. Uh, but just one of the funniest kids, always bouncing off the walls, and, yeah. and just great personality, always a huge smile, um, but a great teammate, you know, a phenomenal teammate, and uh, just had legs for days. Like, he was out to his suit, and he wasn't that big, you know, he was kind of twiggy, you know, yeah. he, he was strong, but he was not oversized or anything, I don't, I don't remember how tall he was, maybe 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, yeah. But just long arms, le- I mean, the legs of him, that, that's what I think the biggest thing that stands. I just, I don't ever remember not seeing him out to his suit, you know, yeah. and just super smart. You know, he'd been playing with older, I mean, he was probably playing when he was 12, 14 with the national team or something. I mean, yeah. he was playing with old guys way early on. He was kind of that prodigy kid and uh, just phenomenal. He, and back then it was 30 meters yeah. and, uh, and we were a swim team. Like we, that was our, we played defense and then countered, countered the crap out of you, you know, mm-hmm. and he, and I just remember one of my favorite memories is just seeing him, he'd be going down the pool and just knowing, all right, he's at about the four yard line. I still have the ball and I throw the ball before he even looks and he makes a L cut and then just looks for the ball, catches it dry. I mean, that was, I mean, we perfected that and he, he would just, he knew it was coming. I knew he was, do, yeah. you know, and I could just count. I mean, he's going to catch it. He's going to put it away. Um, but he was, yeah, phenomenal athlete and, uh, just great guy. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's, um, always like to bring up, uh, touring when I talk to people that either knew him or played with him just because, you know, he was that guy. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and the one crazy thing about our team from the 95, 96 era is that we were, we were a pretty small team, maybe had under 20 guys on the roster. I think even in 94, we went to NC2As with like 11 guys mm-hmm. on our roster. We had a very small, you know, we were a very close-knit group of guys. And we've had four guys pass on since, wow. since then. Brett Stern, uh, Brian Bent, and recently Terry Baker. I mean, it's been a, and then touring. I mean, it's been very interesting. Like, it's, I mean, we were a very small, tight group of people, and it's been... Uh, it's 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 been kind of scary. Yeah, like, that we've had a lot of guys go way too soon. Yeah, that's an interesting yeah. fact. Um, so we'll sort of maybe touch back, come back and touch on some of the uh, those other things, uh, playing wise. But now that you're on this side of the fence, the coaching side, um, obviously you've had great coaches and and you've been able to see the evolution of water polo from the '90s, the two point rule nine yeah. meter shot. To you know, shortening the courses and and longer periods and shortening the shot clock, um, no flags for the officials and things right, like that. Right. Um, I miss the flag. Yeah, me too. Flags are great. Like yeah. I mean, it was awesome. Yeah. I don't know. yeah. What is your um, what is your overall like sense of the state of water polo right now, whether it be high school or college or even Team USA? Um, I, th- I I think it's good. I mean, I think six on six is the right number. You know, I watched. Um, Excuse me. I watched uh, some five on five. I remember a year or two ago, and just didn't. It was. It just looked too easy. Almost. It was yeah. too much. Almost too much space. So I think. I think. I think water polo. I mean, you go to JOs, and it's you know, there's so many kids playing now. I mean, we're our club. We're in a very small area up in Marin County, and we got 200 kids playing. And I mean, I I think it's in a good place rules wise. There's definitely some things I would uh, I would alter like. Uh, um, I don't know if you want to get into that now, but like yeah, you can like like the the twelve and under stuff. How you can't drop, you know yeah. that whole whole thing. I don't know, and maybe someone hasn't explained it well enough to me what that does. You know, to me, it just means if you have a big center, everyone's going to spread out and not not touch the ball except for yeah. your big center. You know, yeah. and we 
couple of years ago, we had that kid. We just had a 12 and under who was two feet taller than everybody else. And we'd and, and spread out the offense, threw the ball to him, and he'd score. I mean, he'd score 10 goals a game. And yeah. no one else would touch the ball. Yeah. And we didn't. It was a boring, terrible style of water polo. But yeah. it was what the rules are dictating you should do, you know. Yeah. And I just don't, like... They're 12s. They can drop. You know that now you got the ball moving around at least a little bit. You got kids touching the ball. I mean, yeah, it's like biggest kid wins right now in 12 and under pole. And then the and the 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 thing where if you get kicked out, you come right back in. Yeah. Again, no one's. Exp- I haven't got a great like. Why is that? I mean, 12 and under. First of all, they don't even know who's kicked out. They don't yeah. know where the ball is. <laughs> they don't know what it even. Me- I mean. Yeah. And it's like before you know it, you're even, you know, and yeah. the kids are like, wait, what? Why do we even want, you know, so that was I don't know. I don't love that rule. Yeah. I just think they should just play the regular rules. I don't know why. Um, other than that, I, I like some of the new the five meter foul and shoot might be a little close. You know, that's definitely it just means if you have a touch foul at five meters, you basically get a penalty shot. I mean, yeah. so I, I could I could say six meters is probably would be good for the for that foul and shoe. That's it seems a little close. Um, and then I like it. I think in the FINA, don't they play if you get fouled outside six or something, you can still shoot. Yeah. No matter. I like that rule. You're I basically just, like live. You're basically live. Yeah. I think that's that to me is makes a lot of sense. Yeah. You know? I, we actually played those rules with. Um, the men's open, the men's senior nationals, uh, uh, like about a month ago. Uh-huh. It it keeps things moving, moving yeah, and yeah. flowing. Yeah, but it's not over the top, you know. And it doesn't seem like it's going to drastically alter the game. It's no. just now that yeah, that that makes way more sense to me. Yeah. that you would be live outside six, and maybe just put a line at six, and then you can foul and shoot right. Over. I guess just anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. just yeah. keep the line. As long at six. as you put it in play, it's like just got to be like a really right. Or you can distinct. pick it up and shoot. Yeah, you know, and then that then that forces that means you're going to have a shot with a shot blocker can't press you, you know. Yeah. But then if you fake, then he can. But yeah, I think that would be good. When it comes to the rules, like like. This, the, like you know the, the six meter thing do you think it would be advantageous for us as like a as a water polo community here in the united states to just play all the same rules like yes <laughs> well i didn't know that that i we had a, our league meeting the other day for our high school season and i was crushed to find out that goalies can't go past half in high school yeah. I was. I just. I spent. I've been working on this. Oh my god! I spent. This is like my dream come true. Goalies can go past half, which again, no one has explained to me why they can't. Yeah. Like, can hockey goalies go past half? I think so. I mean, mean, you could you could pull them out. I would. Or can soccer goalies go past half? Like, I I don't know. I don't know those sports enough. But like, what is the invisible barrier that's like you can't go past half of your goalie like i have no idea like what i like it's a good point it's almost like it started when they originally started water polo and they're like never took the, I, so spent the summer making up new seven on six plays and all these goalie plays and then now i gotta put them away for until next summer it's yeah, like, yeah. I, I that's that was crushing um yeah. but yeah and then the you know where the ball is either got to go back or doesn't have to go back which in yeah, I, I think it would be nice to play all the same rules. That, yeah. that wouldn't, that, especially if we're training guys to be on the national team. If that's the sure. ultimate goal, then sure. you might as well just adopt all the same rules. Yeah, and and it'd probably be. I'm sure there are brain trusts or meetings where they kind of are, where they say, "Hey, let's." Anybody got any new ideas? You know what? What do they think? Where you know it? It yeah. would be for a lot of coaches to have a lot of input too. Yeah, but I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. I think that's the hard part is like, can we, do the coaches even have a say in what's actually happening? Or maybe it's just too many cooks in the kitchen. They don't want to even deal with that. You know what I mean? Which which is understandable as well. Totally understandable. But sure, let's get a set of rules. Whoever comes up with it, let's get a set of rules. That's, this is, I mean... This is how we play. Club, you know, high school, everything, college, everything. everything. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I mean the clock thing. You know how that resets to was it reset to twenty now? Yeah, yeah. I mean, in high school, I don't see how you could. You know, you got parents running the desk. It would be very hard to rig all the clock systems and that kind of yeah. thing. Might be tough, but just as far as yeah, where the cones are, what you can. Yeah, I think that would be great. To yeah, do. every pool should look universal. The same. Yeah, 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 I agree with that. And the, so, yeah, so you are. Um, you're currently coaching at Drake High School. Yeah, you've been there for twenty years. Twenty years. This is my twentieth year. Yeah. Okay, and um, you also started Shack, which is sort of like a club in that area, Marin right. County, like you said. Right. Um, but that area, I remember talking to you 
uh, up north one time. We did a travel trip, and you were saying how like the community is very small. It's a small, you know, close knit community. What are some of the challenges of you know having a program in a in an area like that? I mean, it, it, it comes down to your athlete's pipe, you know, athlete pipeline. And <clears throat> we're lucky enough. We do have a very, it's a, it's called Sleepy Hollow and it's uh it's in San Anselmo and it's a pretty small neighborhood, but they have a swim team. So Mark Anderson uh, is my partner in Shaq and he's, I've coached, he coached at Drake with me. He was a coach at Drake and brought me there actually. Mm-hmm. So he and I have been coaching partners for, for 20 years and, uh, I mean, I see him every day on the pool deck, and gotcha. and so he and I, he he has run the Sleepy Hollow swim team for 25 years, I think, and they have 350 kids mm. every year, and it's just so it's like that's if you live in Sleepy Hollow, you, your kids on the swim team, and and it's a just a it's just one of those little hot hotbeds of swimmers, you know, so um, so out of that we 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 never had a pool, we always had crappy shallow pools or uh or like in drake we practiced in a dive tank an eight by eight dive tank for the first 10 years and i mean we couldn't even go we'd go two on two you know we literally couldn't do it and then finally we got a pool built at drake a 40 meter pool and that next summer mark and i are like all right now we can get the club thing going so he and i started shack i think 11 years ago and uh and we had immediate kind of feeder system from sleepy hollow but uh I mean, if that, and, and then it kind of opened up where other areas in Marin, you know, started feeding kids over to Shack as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was great because we kind of unified. We, we, there was a, a, a club team in Marin, but it, they practiced a little further north. And so we were a little more centralized, mm-hmm. a little more central location and started feeding from Tam and Redwood and all the other high schools around. And, you know, it is you know, you look at programs like Miramani and Campo and 680, you know, the 680 and La Mirinda's, mm-hmm. and every year it just seems like they got the same kids. You know, it's like these kids, they're fast, they're big, they, they've been playing water pool since they're eight, and it's just a wave of kid after, you know, it's, mm-hmm. it's the, the pipeline is just there. And so for us, it's definitely, you know, comes and goes, you know, different, you know, our 14s might be really good, then our 13s, you know, might be lacking, then our 12s are good, you know, kind of comes in waves with yeah. us, with the players. And as, as good as coaches are, you need players. Yeah. I mean, that's, you got to have both. You yeah. know, you can be the best coach in the world and have, you know, you got to have the players. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but, but we're, we numbers, we got plenty of numbers, you know, so the water pool has really been, and now there's another, a third club in Marin County. And so it's, you know, it, they're definitely, the numbers are there. It's just a matter of finding the kids that were exposed to water polo early enough, you know, starting the eight-year-olds. Mm-hmm. A lot of kids don't come to us till they're 14, you know, and it's not too late by any means, but, but when you're looking around at these kids, you know, you go to, like La Mirinda, I, I want to say they have 50 10 and unders. Yeah. I mean, it's just a mob scene down yeah. there, you know, and it's... Same with like Stanford, it's... They, they so many tents and yeah. it's just we that's for us we're trying to get more and more and more uh, kids who are playing baseball or basketball or soccer and getting them started at eight you know yeah. as opposed to 14 and yeah that, you know you, you mentioned a bring up a good point you know 14 is not too that's when late i started start. playing. Yeah, yeah it's definitely not too late but in the era of jo's a, a new 14 year old is very intimidated sure. by that level of play you go to a 14 under gold medal game i i was gonna say that, yeah it, it, it looks it, like a high school varsity yes game. it's like a high school varsity <laughs> championship game and yeah. if you just started you're like i can't do this no yeah there's yeah, no yeah. way yeah. And they, they don't have the patience you know like water polo is such a patient sport you don't develop you don't see like the fruits of your labor for years and years and right. years whereas in like baseball you might get a hit hey you know like there's right, an right, instant right. success um, and it's something you can play. You can play catch with your dad out front yeah. or hit ball, you know, or shoot yeah. hoops. I mean, you can't play water polo in your front yard, you yeah. know, or it's just like it's it's a sport that really you have to be on a team practicing when you're eight years old if you're going to get the reps. Yeah. You know, you can go out and shoot a thousand baskets in your front yard and you just can't do that in water yeah. polo. Yeah. Um, but like, yeah, so for us, it's really like I remember talking to some of my fellow uh, coaches that coach down south and they were we were talking about our 10 and under programs and they're like what do you run on your six on five for the tens and i'm just like are, 
what do I run? Like, (laughs) (laughs) I try to get them out of jammers. Yeah, are you out of your mind? Like, we don't run anything for six on five in our tents. I mean, they're literally learning the rules still, you know? So it's like, uh, yeah, so that's that's the biggest thing for us is getting kids in the program at a young age. Yeah. Do you think, um, do you think we do a disservice to younger kids at the water pole age of 10 and nine and eight having such a big emphasis like a big tournament like J.O.'s, you think that's a negative thing? Or do you, you know, in terms of like making it so important to win, you know, like 10 and under J.O.'s is like a big deal, you know what I mean? It is, but for us, I mean, Mark always describes it, it's a, it's just like a birthday party. Like yeah. it's just, it, it's not... You don't I, I think don't. we're going over the top is no, what I'm saying. No, no, they love it. I mean, yeah. those kids are so excited to be there, you know, and, and I just love, you, you take the, the team photo of the nine-year-olds and then, you have the team photo of when they're 16. It's just so funny. Like they're yeah. just so goofy and dorky when they're nine. And it, it no, I, I love it. I love bringing those kids. They're all wide eyed and, yeah. you know, they yeah. got the big water pole ball. And, they, yeah. and I love that they, a lot of them play at Woolet, you know, when it's down here. So, yeah. or wait, where are we right now? Yeah, we're yeah. down here. Um, <laughs> we're in Santa Barbara. Um, but yeah, they, you know, it's, it's great to have them play in a, in a, I think that's a, USA Water Polo does a good job in that and having a lot of tens games at Woolet. Yeah. Because it just makes the kids think that's bigger than ever. You yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think no, it's good. That's a good that's a good point. Um so you've been able to coach like several different successful players in different positions throughout your career. Um is there something that you have seen that you know, you identify these kids, you know, like a freshman in high school or a ten year old or eleven year old that comes into your program and you kinda go like this guy's got it. Is there something that you see that you can identify right away that kind of translates? Yeah, I would say the two things physically right away are what their egg beater looks like. You know, is it, and, and we call it when some kids have their, one of their knees goes in, called the gangles. You know, mm-hmm. it's, they kind of do the scissor kick. Yeah. And so, and, and then you have a kid like, this kid Spencer Hansen that recently graduates at Stanford now. He had the widest egg beater and just, just as a little kid too and yeah. you can just see his body it just floats and he just went sky high you yeah. know as an eight-year-old nine-year-old and it was just like all right that kid's gonna have legs you know mm. so just seeing how they move in the water if they if they can if the breaststroke and the egg beater is there early i think you can kind of see that yeah and then just how they throw the ball how if their elbows up you know is it, that's it, the biggest thing to me on water polo is having a high elbow you yeah. know and and i think i probably said get your elbow up five million times you know <laughs> And it's just seeing a kid, if a kid catches the ball and immediately his elbow sinks, you know, you, you're like, all right, I got to work on that. But if a kid yeah. catches the ball and just ball goes high over his head, you're like, all right, it's, if it's natural. Yeah. To yeah. me, that, those are kind of the two physical traits is the legs and then just where his elbow is. Yeah. Or her elbow is. Um, and then just, you can tell right away kids that, you know, they're there to get better or they're, they're either there socially or they're there to get better. And, yeah. you know, when you start talking, they're looking at you and they're like, all right, what's he saying? I'm going to listen, you know, or you got the kid whose head's in the gutter and stuff like that. So I think with the little kids, that's kind of the early thing. And you can tell the hard worker. I mean, these kids are all rec swimmers and, yeah. you know, so you see them in swim practice too. And they're the ones with their head down, just grinding, you know, even at nine, 10 years old. Um, but uh, I think another thing that helps is the, just the peer group. You know, you have kind of your, again, with like your classes, you get six or seven kids that all work their butts off. And then you know that that's going to affect the next eight kids who maybe don't work quite as hard, but they're like, wait, I kind of want to be with those kids. Yeah. So now they start working a little harder. And then you have the group of eight kids that that are like your best kids, but they don't work that hard and they're not setting that example and that trickles down too you know so when we had our run of uh of that really good team that that we had those kids worked incredibly hard and it was right from the start and they just fed off each other and it was it was uh infectious i mean you could see kids around them like god these kids are here every day just crushing themselves and they're 10 years old you know and so right away we knew we knew that group was going to be pretty special, and that was like a passionate group too, because a lot of them are still some. Some they're, of them are still playing, right? They, that I mean, I could I could do a podcast just about that group of kids. I mean, some one of the dads wrote or grandparents wrote a book about them. You know, I uh-huh. mean, they're they're that group of kids was just so special because of of they checked all the boxes physically. They were all bigger than they should have been. You yeah. know, uh, mentally, they all wanted to be the best they could. 
drive, they all worked insanely hard. I mean, just push each other. You couldn't keep them out of the pool. And skill-wise, they were all, you know, yeah. they all had great skills. And and uh, when they were freshmen, you know, we had seven of them at Drake. We had, you know, six field players, and Danny Rowland was our goalie. And I was playing all seven of them together on varsity in a CIF semifinal game. Wow. And I I don't know if anyone has ever played seven a lineup of seven freshmen in a CIF semifinal game and yeah. not in the last two minutes of a game, but like actually trying to win the game. I mean, they were, you could see it from when they were 10 is like, these guys are going to be special. Yeah. And they got into high school and they were all 14 and they had just come off of the JOs where we lost to Vanguard in the finals. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, that Vanguard team, that 14 hour team, talk about it. I mean, they had Ash, Quinton, Jake Cavano, I think was on that team. I mean, Matt Kasura. That team was insane. Garrett like, Yeah, they never lost, I don't think. Yeah, they were phenomenal. So, yeah, so that, um, and so our kids came off of that into the high school season, and they were ready to go. Yeah. And, and they were, you know, we went six in. We had six juniors and six freshmen, and we just went six in, six out every three minutes. Yeah. And uh, got to the CIF semifinals that year and, and with a freshman goalie. So it was that, that group was very special and one that you could right away, you knew that yeah. they were going to be something. And that J.O. game, I was sitting poolside because Ash and Matt Kasur were coming into Olu. Oh, cool. And I remember I was sitting right behind the bench. I mean, you guys, you, you still took them to a shootout. Oh, yeah. That, we, had, we had the ball. We had the shot to win in that, the shootout. We was... had the last shot to win, and then we missed, and then went for the second round through, and then we ended up losing, I think, two shots later. But yeah, that, that's, that's, that game's a crazy story, too. Yeah, that was a nut, nuts game. Yeah. The, in the Stanford Avery Aquatic Center. With the people. I mean, that, that's by far, hands down, that was the first time we'd ever been in a championship game, first time we'd ever sniffed a medal at J.O.'s. Yeah. And uh, we had never won NCS or CI or anything. I mean, that was like our, the culmination of everything mm-hmm. that we had done, Mark and I. And I mean, I can still, I could tell you every moment of that game. Yeah. Like it was that important to us. And even, and we lost and I'd still, it, it was, it's the best coaching experience I've ever had. Yeah. Like it was just, just being there and, and the way it went down, you know, we got a, we were down one and then they called a timeout without the ball with like 10 seconds left or something. He gave us a five meter and then you got a 14 year old kid in Avery Aquatic Center with 10, trying to tie the game on a five meter and puts it away. And, and then, uh. And a little story about that game. So we had already had our shooting, our shootout. You know, if we go to a shootout, we know who in practice you say, all right, you're going first, you're going second. Yeah, yeah. And so the fifth kid to shoot was this kid, Mikey Dacus, who is now at Pepperdine. And uh, in the first quarter of the game, he got hit in the eye. Mm. And just on a follow through, you know, it wasn't malicious or anything. And he cut his eye and, uh, and he got a pretty big cut on his eye and ended up um, getting taken out of the game. And I didn't really know it but i guess some people from usa water polo came over and they're like yeah he can't play anymore so so then he was our fifth he was our closer he was going to shoot fifth and so we get to a shootout and of course i want mikey dacus with a big bandage over his head to come shoot but they wouldn't let him and so we had a kid who'd never been in the shootout before shooting last and uh and uh yeah that was man that was that game was amazing yeah it was was so fun yeah and i mean in those situations you know, even Makasura, Mac, who is at UCLA now, he missed. You know, and 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 he's cl- I mean, he's clutch as clutch can sure. be. But in those situations, the pressure is just. Right. It's, but to think they're fourteen, yeah, I mean, exactly, so young, exactly. so young. I mean, but those kids played so well, and I mean, Ash was incredible. I yeah. mean, he was a man amongst boys on that. I mean, you couldn't. He he was incredible. Quinton was a big kid. I mean, yeah, those that was a team. Right, that's the best fourteen team I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah. I mean that they were, yeah, they were incredible. Um, but yeah, that, that experience at Avery, that was kind of the, the first time that we had ever just been like, all right, this is, and then they won three, they won that silver. And then the next year they won bronze as 16s. And then the next year they won silver as 16s again. And then, so that was kind of their three year medal run. Yeah. That's sweet though. Yeah. No, it's great. But before that, and you had mentioned that, you know, it was like your first sort of taste of the championship, but during your time at Drake as an assistant, I think, it, obviously correct me if I'm wrong, and maybe when you became head coach, you guys had won like some crazy consecutive number of league games. Right. We've, right? Yeah. We, you, we, we've won, I think we've lost, 
I want to say two league games in like 20 years. That's like, insane. like, yeah, we've lost a few of the championships. I think we've lost five. I think we've won 15 of 20 league titles. Yeah. But as far as regular season games, we've lost two or three games yeah. in like 20 years. And I years. think some people, you know, listening would, would discount and just say, well, they're not in a, maybe not in a strong league or whatever. But I think the people who have been in it long enough, you know, to, to see all these streaks going understand that you know it's one thing to be better than everybody but it's an it's also nothing to have like a target on your back every single game every single time every single year you're the goal basically to beat your team right was is there anything that you could speak to regarding the mentality that you had with that with those groups just saying like was there something you said to them? Was there something that sure. you know helped you guys keep that streak going? Sure. I mean, one thing is we have all the banners up on the the <clears throat> the fence at, on the deck, so they can see it when they walk in. You know. Yeah. And and you really you know you we meet with the kids in the beginning of the season, and like right now we've won four straight titles. I think we lost five years ago, and and you tell the kids you know the groups before you have won four in a row, you know, don't be the ones to, to stop that streak. You know, yeah. you guys got to keep it going. Yeah. And, and we really explain that, you know, we're not going to get by on talent. You know, it's got, we still have to work harder than the second place team, you know, whether or not you think they're better or worse. If you don't work hard, it's not going to happen. Yeah. We cannot get by on talent. And I think kids probably have that perception coming to Drake that, Oh, we're Drake. We're just going to win just because we're Drake, you know, and it doesn't, we, a lot of those titles, those MCAL titles, were one-goal games. You know, I'd say the majority of them were. Yeah. So, you know, MC, Marin Catholic, we had a great rivalry for a good 10 years where every game was a one-goal game. Wow. And so, it, and we'd happened to win most of them, but they, they snuck a few in too, but it was, it wasn't, we weren't blowing them out. Like, yeah. You know, so, so we did have to, and this year, you know, Tam... Uh, highs they could easily beat us you know yeah. if we don't work hard and focus and concentrate and those those kind of trap games where you think you're better than the other team and you don't think you have to do the little things you know the little battles the little loose balls the little yeah. shop you know yeah. all that the, the hustle plays the hustle plays it's that you when you think you're better you don't do those plays yeah. and just keep reminding kids you know if we're gonna lose if we don't you know have that mentality yeah, I think that's where that's where my team is right now it's like you can't take the hustle play off. That literally will be yep. the difference. Yeah, and I'm wondering if because a lot of the experiences that we have, you know, and a lot of the things we say as coaches were things that we learned or heard, or did, you know, from as our as players. And I'm wondering, you know, as UCLA was making that run up, and you know, winning a back-to-back national championship, was there some sort of sense, some look, or something that you guys said to each other that guy baker said to you guys that that resonated with you that you still use to this day is there something that right. you remember well it was definitely i mean we we got our butts kicked our freshman our sophomore years and it was all kind of i i truly think you got to get beat up to beat people up you know you got you got to lose to win you yeah. know you got to and and so that that toughened us up a lot and then but we were still the underdogs you know and then our junior year i mean we no one thought oh now they're gonna win it's like now it's ucla's time or anything so we were still hungry we and 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 then when after we won our junior year our senior year was definitely like a we were we i mean sc was crushing everybody you know they and and you could tell there was a relax we relaxed a little bit you know we definitely i mean like i said we got I think sixth or seventh at yeah. at the MPSF tournament. I mean, the championship we, hangover, basically. For sure, for sure. And I was kind of, you know, once you get that title, you can kind of put your feet on the desk. You know, you can kind of lean back in your chair now. You know, but yeah. until then, your feet are on the floor and you're, you know, your tent. You know, but once so we definitely relaxed a little bit that senior year, um, and uh, it showed. But then, thankfully, we brought it back together the last game of the season. But yeah, uh, yeah I I think that that maintaining a high level is is something that you it it you have to be proactive about reminding the kids about it yeah. for sure it's real easy to rest on talent did and, guy baker say anything to you guys that you remember <laughs> it was there it, it was a it was an interesting senior year i'll just say that like it yeah. was yeah he i think he got very frustrated with us you know for sure especially probably me um but uh it was uh 
sure, that was a struggle. That year was a struggle. Mm-hmm. So, no, I, I take a lot away from Guy. I remember one practice I remember is when he just kind of looked at me. He's like, you know, I was whatever, button heads with him, you know, and he's like, you know what's funny? I'm just done with you. I'm done with you. And, I, I'm, and so I was like, great, all right, good, you know. And then we get into practice, and I'm like, wait a minute. He's not done. No, not, I'm, I'm going to play. Just wait. I'm going to play so good this practice. I'm going to show him. <laughs> And then I, you know, I block everything during practice. Then after practice, I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, God, he made me do like that was yeah. the whole thing all along. You know, he's like, now I got to win him back. And he like, mm. so he Jedi mind tricked me into, you know, playing my ass off. But uh, no, the guy guy was great, and he was so young, and he was still learning too. You know, and it was, uh, I, I definitely take a lot from guy, like yeah. especially drills wise. He had a lot of good drills. He was great X's and O's guy. Yeah. I asked him to be on the podcast during JOs, and he said he would. I, I really want to sit down and talk to him and see all these different personalities because I remember a story. I, I, I never, I'm validating it now. I, I remember hearing a story of you guys playing USC, and the USC fans were behind your goal and sort of just going off on you. And I, I used to love that. It every was so time, fun. Every, every time you pass the ball out, they, they were front court, you turn around and splash the, the guys. And I, like I said, I don't know if that was true. I wasn't there, but I, I just, I'm sure that happened. Yeah. It was, it was our games with SC back then were so fun. I mean, it was such a good rivalry yeah. and, and I mean, it is today too, but I remember they, yeah, they, the, uh, I remember a lot of their baseball players would be right behind the goal, just mm-hmm. yelling at me and I would yell back. And I think we actually had a pretty good rapport with them. You know, it was like, yeah. like I, like these they guys were, aren't backing down. Yeah. They're <laughs> yeah. not backing down. I'm not backing down. And yeah. I would make a block and I'd point to the crowd, you know, yeah, and then yeah. they would score and I'd look over and smile and be like, yeah, you got me. And yeah, like, yeah. it was a great back and forth. I mean, we had, yeah, those SC games are so fun. That's so cool. Yeah. Do you have any of those on video? Do you have anything? You, could you? The, the the 96 game is on video somewhere. I'm sure somebody's got it on VHS. You have to get it and beta. we'll put like the link on the podcast and people can watch it on YouTube. I would or love something. to watch that, that game. I haven't seen that. That's Yeah, that is one thing that sucks. I wish someone, I mean, I wish we could see a lot of those games we played. We played some great games. Yeah, yeah. So you've had a lot of good coaches and you were, you were player of the year before the Catino Award thing yeah. became. So that was the equivalent of the Catino Award. Um, and I mean, after your career had ended, did you feel like, okay, I've done what I needed to do. I'm, I'm, I'm moving on. Or was there still like some sort of like a sense, you know, it's not like it is now where people go overseas a lot. It's more common. Was there any fire burning for you or were you sort Um, of? I had done some national team stuff my junior year, played on the national B team, went to the university games and the the Olympic festival. Um, and so I got a taste of it, but by the time my senior year was over, I was done. I was, and, and the, one of the main things was that the Olympics were, so my last year playing was 96. So the Olympics would have been 2000. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, I would have had to train for another four years and, and Dan Hackett was going to be the starter. Like it was his time. Yeah. So I was just kind of like, I can't do this for four more years to, possibly be a backup you know yeah. and i'd still have Andy to earn plenty i think was the was he was, just he was 96 oh okay and so that was his year and then he retired and then hackett gotcha. was the backup and so now it's like hackett's turn you gotcha, know gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. and so and and i just and then i would have had to earn you know i would have had to fight a couple other goalies just to be the backup and i couldn't do that for four years i was yeah. like i gotta move on yeah, yeah. so i uh yeah, I was I was pretty much done playing my senior year. Yeah, yeah, and th- and it was nice to go out on top. I mean, the last game I ever played water polo was a championship, so it was yeah. nice. Yeah. Do you think if there was other? Do you think there's something that USA water polo could do to? And maybe it's a personal thing where you're just like, I'm done. I mean, people retire all the time, so sure. it's not. There's no motivation or money that could keep you going, right? You know, but do you think? Um, that's something that you see as an issue going on even to this day, like players that you coached and basically are like, look, I'm done. I don't want to keep fighting for this. Do you think there's something that we could do as a community to like help serve that? And to like help? keep playing yeah. after college? Yeah. I don't know. That's a good question because there is no money. I mean, you're not going to make any money. Yeah. So, and we all live in California and it's very expensive to live in California. Yeah. So, I, I don't the the national team stuff I don't really give a lot of thought about just because I don't have anything really to do with it um, yeah and it's not I don't know all the ins and outs of the of how it works 
Um, but I think it just comes down to money. I mean, I really do. Like if, yeah. if you're, if you're, and the other thing is water polo players are smart, you know, I mean, these guys are all going to great colleges and they're smart. They can make a lot of money just going in the workforce, yeah. you know, yeah. or they can make, I don't, I, I, and again, I have no idea how much our national team guys even make, but it's just, it's, it's, uh, there's not a lot of incentive, you yeah. know, to keep playing. So it's sure. Pride, if, yeah. And yeah. And if you threw a ton of money at them, sure. I'm sure they, people would stick around if they could match what they would probably, I mean, these guys are graduating from Stanford and Berkeley and UCLA. It's like, they're in, they're going to be wanted in the job force. Yeah. And there's a lot of money to be made in the internet and tech and all that. Yeah. And it's just like, it, it makes so much more sense to go do that, you know, yeah. but there's guys playing overseas. I get, you know, I think that if, if you're just a diehard and you want to go do that, I could see that. But as far as just like, I don't know that we could start a national league where guys are making any kind of yeah. money, but yeah, yeah. I, I like the fact that the, you know, the Olympic club and all the club NIAC and all that. I mean, that's a good way for these guys to have jobs and still, you know, play high level yeah. water polo. Yeah. So I, I like that the, the national league and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And it's fun. I mean, I went to some games, I coached a couple games. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's high level. It's like sure, intense. Sure, sure, sure. But, but you're not going to make a living off no. playing in that I mean, league. these guys are also walking in with suits. Right, you know? right, <laughs> like, right. All right, I'm here for the game. Yeah. You know, they just got off the plane or yeah. whatever. So, I mean, it, it, it would be great to have one of the best water polo teams in the world on a national level. It's it's also the real the realistic uh, idea of that with having the Serbias and Croatias and these where the, the sport is just so much more important. Yeah. You know, I mean, water polo is such a niche sport in America. Yeah. That I just I mean, we're never not going to have the best basketball players. We're never not going to have the best you know football players or baseball, baseball players. players. I mean, that's that those are our sports. You yeah. know, you're not going to change that. Even soccer, I think we're getting better. I mean, we're still not that good at yeah. the national level. European countries live and die by soccer, you know. Yeah. I mean, you, you go to Croatia, there's a water polo goal at every beach, you know, in the water. There's yeah. a course set up in every marina you go to. Yeah. Yeah, we don't have anything like that. So, it, we can hope and try to say, "Oh, we we should be better at the national level," but in in the reality, it's just I don't know how you do that without it being a true national sport, you yeah, know, yeah. I mean, it's tough. Yeah, that's, it is very, there's a lot of challenges there's, and there's no doubt it's tough to compete with, uh, a guy who can make over a hundred thousand dollars a year just being in the minor leagues. You know, you're making six figures, sometimes yeah. seven figures it, it, playing in the minors. Yeah. Um, and those guys would be probably phenomenal water polo players cause they're phenomenal athletes. Otherwise they wouldn't be where they are, you yeah, know, yeah. clearly, um, so I definitely, definitely see that. Um, so if there was something, I, I know you talked about it uh, a little bit earlier, just like in regards to the rules, but I just wanted to maybe follow up on if there was something that you could change in the world of water polo right now. Was there anything else that you could think my, of? My big thing, and I actually wrote a little thing of it on the Real Housewives of Water Polo, Water Polo Planet, <laughs> yeah. my favorite thing ever. Yeah. Um, it just the violence and whether it's grabbing balls, mm. whether it's just elbows. And I mean, it's just, I think the sport is too violent. And I think a couple of years ago, it kind of came to a head this year, actually in the summer, I thought it was great refing at JOs. There was obviously, they're like, we're going to reward people who are have inside water, whether the whole, like always holding the ball so you can just maul him, yeah. you know, that thing. Two years ago, we played 18 under quals. And it was just like every time he got inside water, the ref would just hold their hand up like, yeah. oh, we've got the ball. And it's just like, and our kids are coming back to the bench going, what, what do we even do? Yeah. Like, it's just a wrestling match. Mm -hmm. And so I think this year it seemed like the directive went out, like, we got to start rewarding, you know, even if a guy's shooting and the guy rips his arm off, like, that's a foul. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, I'm sorry, but that's a foul. That's terrible defense. You know, yeah. you gave up inside water, a guy's got the ball shooting, you're ripping a guy's arm off. Oh, he's holding the ball. It's not a yeah. foul. It's like, that's a foul. Yeah. So yeah. the violence in water polo to me has always been like the black mark of the the sport like it's just it's just too violent and i think that it is seeming like they're cleaning it up a little bit yeah. um i agree with you i think that they are cleaning it up because i think from 2000 and i don't want to get precise but i think from 2010 to about 2015 2016 it was really heavy foul and drop that right. was like everybody was doing it foul and drop just foul hammering and drop. guys yeah hammer them and don't let you know and now it's become more of like going back to like the iso and the 
driving, like just a straight up one on one driving, try to try to keep up with me um, type stuff. And it's made things a lot more fluid. And your point is really well taken because of a conversation I had with James Graham on an earlier podcast about the advantage rule and how, you know, if someone has an advantage, it, just call the kick out. Like, right. stop waiting to see if he's going to finish because if you don't call anything and he doesn't score, then I didn't get anything. Right, I, you, right, you basically right. took away everything from me. Right. And I, I'm, I'm assuming that's so, sort of right. what you're saying, right? And, and I have seen refs where they'll wait to see if you get the shot off and give you, because there are, you know, sometimes a guy turns and the ref calls a quick out. You're like, wait, let him finish, yeah, you know? Yeah. But, and I've seen some of the better refs Guy turns, lets him work for a second, and maybe the ball scoots away, and then he's like, "That's a kick out." But yeah. I, but they're giving them a shot to finish, yeah. you know, giving them a chance to finish. Yeah, just the. I mean, if you give up inside water, you played bad defense, and you should not, you know, and you should not be rewarded for hammering a guy just because he has his hand on the ball. Yeah, there should know? be no out getting out of that right. turn. <laughs> right, right, right. So, and it makes guys play better defense, you know? And it makes them where if a guy gets turned, he gets his hands up and, and tries to hit the ball maybe, but he's yeah. not ripping the guy's or shoulder Or he just off. has his hands up. Okay, finish. Sh- sure, And yeah, if you yeah. can't finish in the goal, that's why we have goalies. I mean, right, so right, they can right. have a chance. Um, so, yeah, so that, I think that it seems like this summer there was something went out where, like, we're going to start rewarding yeah. inside water and that. And then the... <clears throat> just the whole ball grabbing thing that that to me is is uh, we were in a game of five years ago or whatever and uh, we have like a just a strict no ball grabbing rule on our team just in our club if you grab balls you don't play for us yeah. it's just it's the most ridiculous thing I, I, I just can't get over it so anyways playing the game our guys are getting their balls grabbed i'm telling the refs this is what's happening parents in the stands are yelling it's part of the game you guys are doing it too and i look at the and I look at the uh, these parents that are yelling at me, you know, it's part of the game. And I'm like, it doesn't have to be, yeah. you know? And if you talk to people who don't know anything about water polo, what's the first thing they say? Oh, yeah. they grab balls and that's, you know, yeah. it's like, why is yeah. that the defining characteristic of people that don't know anything about water polo? And then, and they, you know, parents telling you guys do it too. And I look at, I said, no, we don't actually. Yeah. And you yeah. know what? We enforce it. Yeah. And our kids know that we don't do it, you know? And that's the thing is like when coaches say, Oh, I didn't know my kids do it. They know. You know, you know if your kid is doing it because you can see the reaction. You just know. And I yeah. and if if it's up to coaches to to clean that up and they can choose whether they want to do it or not, but it's just like I just I to me that is like the lowest of low from an athlete standpoint that the mental process of I'm going to swim into this kid, reach my hand into his bathing suit and grab his testicles. Yeah. It's like yeah. How is that a mindset that we're just saying it's part of the game? Yeah. Like that's, and I, I agree because <laughs> I, I'm not going to take the responsibility off the coaches because as a player who's coming into your program, you're learning pretty much everything what everything. the coach is telling you to do. Yeah. The coach at some point, if there's a kid who's grabbing balls on the other team, someone told him how to do that sure. or showed him to do that or it was done to him. Sure. One of those three options. It's all learned behavior. I I could honestly say and I I could be wrong because I don't know every single possession that happens but the default for my team is 100%. That just that's because we don't talk about that. Right. That's not like a go-to. You right. know, that's not like all right, well if he's doing that just grab his balls, you right. know. <laughs> that that's, you know, okay. But I'll bet it is from some coaches. For some coaches yeah. it is. You know, okay, maybe maybe get your elbows up higher or whatever and you know, like there is some like rustling and some back and forth, but geez, <laughs> you got to be pretty low to to, to, it, it, to do that. Yeah, you know? it I it really does fall back on the coach and it's just a matter of saying nothing about it is basically to me saying it's okay yeah. you know that's why we are very upfront. I mean even you know and the other thing is you got 18 year old kids playing against 16 year old kids you know it's like if, if you got two 25 year old dudes playing and they're doing it to each other they're grown men they yeah. can deal with it you know but these are like kids I mean we're, we're like I said it's like you got a senior in high school and a sophomore and the seniors going in there and grabbing yeah. some so it's just like it's there's no place for that yeah, whatsoever. I agree. I agree. So, well, yeah, hopefully let, we can. Let's all get rid of that uh, coaches out yeah, there. Yeah, seriously. Let's, let, yeah. I mean that's that's <laughs> dangerous anyway. I mean you know so um, let's keep it let's keep it above board. Yeah. <laughs> so um, who have been uh, your biggest influences as as a coach? I would say I mean 
uh, my high school coach was great, Greg Ormsby, who still is involved. He's coaching with Del Mar, you know, Brad Ormsby's dad. Um, you were coached by... Greg was my high school coach. And so, uh, oh, okay. yeah, and so I remember Brett, when he was a little kid, would come jump in with us. You know, he was, yeah, I can't remember how much young. He's probably your age or maybe a little younger than you. Yeah, he's, he's younger than me. Yeah, sure. so he would come and jump in with us. He was always a little little kid, and, but could, you could tell, like, this kid's going to be a stud. Yeah, yeah. But uh, so his dad was a very big influence in my high school. Um, we had a great high school, went to Poway High, and uh, Greg was a big influence. And, uh, and then Guy Baker was great. And then when I started getting playing some national team stuff, uh, Newland, I, I learned a lot from Newland. Um, just simple things like uh, in between quarters, don't talk that much, you know, because I mean, he would, he would all say, you know, you see these coaches where their team's swimming over. I mean, for water polo, it's exhausting. And the last thing you want to do is you're swimming over in a quarter and you just start getting berated and told information. It's like all you want to do is drink a sip of water and like catch your breath for two seconds, yeah. you know. And yeah. Newland would just let, I mean, team would swim over and he wouldn't say anything. He'd just let guys catch your breath, you know, catch your breath, have some water. And then he'd give you three things. You know, it's like no one's going to remember more than three things. He's mm -hmm. not going to be like, we got to do this, got to do this, got to do this, this. He's like, here are the three things we need to do. And then you remember those three things and then go back in the game. And so I've really taken that to heart where those quarter breaks and stuff, I mean, those are to rest. So the kids can rest, you know, and you don't need to just inundate them. No one listens when they're tired, you know, yeah. let them catch their breath. All right. Their heart rate's back down. All right, guys, this is what we need. You know, you don't need a whole dissertation in between quarters. So that Newland was, I, I learned a lot from him and just conditioning wise. I mean, he used to do what, a thousand sit-ups a day. That, I mean, yeah. And those UCI teams were just so physical. You know, they were, you know, Ryan Bailey and and Mark Hunt and them. I mean, they were they were strong dudes. You yeah, know? So making sure. sure that you're in tip top. If if you don't have the best skill, if you're strong, that goes a long way. Yeah. Um, we used to play at UCLA when we played Navy. It was just like miserable because it's yeah. like these guys are just I mean, they're not the most skilled team, but mm -hmm. they are hand to hand combat guys and <laughs> they don't like you very much yeah. and they're gonna beat you up. So yeah. And they've been up since four thirty in the morning. Exactly, to get you warm exactly. Up, so. They're not. Yeah, um, uh, John Tanner. I got get coached by him a lot when I was on the national team in Vargas. Um, those are probably the main guys that I I took a lot away from. I'm trying to think if there's anyone else. Yeah, probably those yeah. those guys and just my teammates. You know, I got to play with Jimmy and Adam and and just great teammates and and uh, you can always learn stuff from them. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, you have a, a great class and a lot of good coaches on that. Yeah, you're the second or the third person that told me about the quarter breaks at New of Newland. Yeah, um, and it, it's it's actually helped me to focus in, like as a coach, like okay, what is it that you really are trying to get across here? Right, you know what I mean? Because right. I can't vent my frustrations right now. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, as frustrated as you are, you you, you got to keep coaching. Yeah, you know? and that's the thing. Like once you get in the games, if your kids aren't prepared and know what they're supposed to do, then that's kind of on you. You know, yeah. if you're needing to explain things over and over and over again during games, it's just not the time to do it. You know, yeah. like you should have already prepared up until then. And and same with like I don't I'm not a big hour long or half hour long uh, talk session before games and after game. You know. It's like these kids are gonna listen. Say these kids, they 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 they're gonna listen to you for only so long. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're like, all right, we're meeting for a half hour before the game, play the game. Now we're meeting for a half hour after the game. It's like by the time they're just gonna start tuning you out. Yeah, I actually eliminate all post game. Yeah, meetings. it's not the time. It's not. No, I, I, we will not have a meeting after a game. We'll discuss it at the hotel. We'll discuss it before the next game. Right. Whatever it is, but I literally will not. And right. I read that in a couple of books. It's huh. like. They're not going to retain and then, anything. And then, you've then just if said. you do have a post game meeting, there's a reason you're having the post game yes. meeting. You yes. know, now they're like, oh wait, we got to meet. All yeah. right. So yeah. you know, then they know. But it's and like, sometimes it's just to say that was amazing. Sure. Like you sure. know what I mean? Like I'll sure. use that as like, hey, that was a really good game. I'm so happy with this, 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 and this. Sure. But to like go break down X's and O's right after a water polo, after an hour. I mean, like I said, water polo is exhausting. Yeah. They, you know, you're not gonna. That's not when you're at your your brain is not ready to, to compute all that. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and so last question um, that I have is, what advice would you give to a young, co a young coach? And I think what we just said in the last segment is sort of part of it, 
to think about the meetings and the time that you're spending with the kids. But what advice would you give to a 20 year old Matt Swanson? Um, <laughs> Run, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love coaching. It's yeah, the best. No. I mean, the thing I love coaching is, is being able, so I coach the club and I mean, I'm at every 10 and under practice. I'm at every 12 and under girls practice. I'm at every 12 and under boys practice. I'm at every 14 under girls. I mean, I coach every practice. Mark and I basically coach every practice together. I mean, we don't have, we have a very small staff, you know, yeah. it's he and I, and then we have some part-time coaches. So, yeah. you know, I would say coach every level, you know, because I, it is, if you're just coaching 16 or 18 boys, it, it's, I think it'd be tough. I yeah. think for me, it would at least just the, the monotony of it. And the, I, I need that variety. I love coaching the 1200 girls. They're hilarious. They're excited They're yeah. And then, and they, pick up on stuff so quick and then you get the 1400 boys who are you know kind of coming into their own and mm -hmm. just you know coach all different levels all different age groups boys and girls um to me that it it just keeps everything so much fresher and yeah. it, I, I love doing that um yeah make your words count you know and in one of the biggest moments that i had coaching was that we were breaking down film this is probably when i was like early 30s and we were breaking down film and i we had the sound on, on the, on the video. And I just sounded like a lunatic. And I was, I, I think it's really easy for like late twenties, early thirties is when you're kind of, you're kind of starting to figure the coaching thing out. You think you're kind of, you think you're kind of good at it and stuff. You think every call is bad. You know, every, you think every ref sucks. You think, you know, you kind of like, you're still hyper competitive. And I was listening to myself on the deck, just thinking this guy's a raving lunatic. You know, every call I'm arguing, every, every mistake I'm yelling at, you know, and, it, and I heard it on the video and we're breaking it down. I'm just like, Oh my God, this is what I sound like, you know? So video, listen to yourself, coach, like get a video of a game, listen to yourself, coach, and think, is that, do I, would I want my kid playing for that guy? Is that what I want to sound like? Am I, you know, break down the tape of not just of the players, but of yourself. And I think if a lot of people heard themselves coach, you know, on a video, they would be like, Oh my God, like, that's a really good. I got to change point. some things. That's a really. That good that was. Point. I mean, literally, I the next day I was a different coach. Mm. You know, I just like what? All right, I gotta stop yelling at refs. Like, what am I? Like, I'm, that's, I'm focusing on the refs now. And maybe my players think, oh, we should be yelling at the refs. Our yeah. coach is doing it, and then I'm yelling at every kid for every mistake, and then the kids are thinking, well, I can yell at our kids. Our, you know, it's like it, it changed a lot of how I coach. Just hearing myself and realizing that, all right, I gotta step back and reevaluate this. So. Yeah. Another thing I, I think a big thing is that sarcasm, we're all kind of sarcastic people, you know, it has no place in youth coaching, you know, kid, a 13 under girl is not going to understand sarcasm, mm -hmm. you know, while she's in the pool, a little bit scared because she doesn't want to mess up. And you and if you start making sarcastic remarks to kids in the midst of coaching, they don't get it, you know, it's, yeah. it, there's just no place for it. And it took me a little while to figure that out too, you know, it's just, they're not, you're you're trying i don't know what the point is in coaching but it's like it you just find yourself doing it naturally it's something you do with your friends or something yeah, like that yeah. and it's just different so it's you it's it's not constructive to be a sarcastic coach yeah. you know it, it's sure out of the water maybe on the deck you can kind of mess around with your kids but like while you're coaching it doesn't make kids feel good you mm -hmm. know it's not a good tactic or technique to to use um but yeah just make your words count you know like mm -hmm. we said don't you don't need hour long diatribes, you know, make, make the words that you count. So that then when you do talk, you know, your kids are listening, yeah. you know? Well, I, I actually really, really like, and I'm going to, the sarcasm thing, I think is something everybody can work on. Sure. It's Whether so easy. Whether you're a teacher or a coach or a parent or whatever, there is a way that you can get kind of lost in it yeah. a little bit. And so I, I think that that's something that even personally, like today I have a game. <laughs> that yeah. Make sure that it's not, you know, because you don't want them resenting you. No. I think that's the that's yeah. the big thing. I can, I still catch myself doing it, even though I know I shouldn't. Like yeah. every now and then, I'll like say something, be like, "Why well, that? That's not helping." Yeah. You know, just yeah. be there to help. You know, yeah. be there to facilitate. But I and I do think it comes with age, though. Like when I was thirty, I would have never thought twice about doing that. You know, yeah. so I do think coaching. I don't think you can really be a good coach till you're like 35, yeah. you know, you yeah. think you are, but then you get to be a 35 and you look back and you're like, eh, I wasn't, yeah. you know, I kind of figured it learn. out now. Yeah. yeah. 
you got to mellow out a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I'm in my 40s now, so I'm... There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, Matt, thank you. Uh, I really appreciate it. I mean, I, I have a lot of respect for what you've been able to do up in your in your area. And, um, you know, you continue to, like, develop talent, continue to grow the sport in your area. And I think that's something that's really valuable uh, to the entire community. And, um, yeah, I look forward to, like, talking to you again about stuff and following up and having you on another one with that 95 team and sure, yeah, that let me know stuff. man yes. we'll all come yeah so i, we'll I appreciate it very much being on and um good luck this year uh with the boys all right thank you and again thank you for i've listened to all these i think they're great you know and you can always learn never learn enough so yeah. thank you for doing it yeah and, absolutely. hey good luck today in the game thanks <laughs>